0: I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent,
1: honest, and down to earth on this
0: podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice.
1: Just remember the only designer you need to be better than
0: is the one you were yesterday.
1: Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. Super excited to be hanging out with you guys today. Let's just dive into our intro question. Giselle, if technology ceased to exist all of a sudden and you didn't need to make an income, what form of creative expression would you choose?
0: I wrote this question down and I had to add the income part just to like release myself from that pressure. (laughs) But so that this is not to say that people that do this don't make an income, but I would love to just get 100% wrapped in with um, printmaking and painting. That would be super fun. That's and it's what I was going to say. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Twins. <laughs> yeah, because it just takes so much attention to detail and patience. And it's just something that right now, I'm like, I need things fast. And that's why like... With graphic design and illustration and our illustrator and Photoshop and all those things, you have that command Z magic.
1: <laughs> yes, I know. It's so funny. Like, oh, hello. My baby wants to chime in you got something to say buddy well he agrees he's like yes yes painting but honestly I I used to paint a lot when I was younger in high school like I I loved painting it was usually acrylics or watercolors and so that was what I was gonna say was probably painting and like I've honestly been thinking about that recently too I mean of course like I have zero time for that with a baby in a full-time job but you know like If there was no technology, like I literally almost feel like a sense of relief reading that because as much as my business relies on technology,
0: I don't know, there's something kind of calming about that. I don't know. Do you agree? I agree. I think it's just like that whole feeling of just you're just not going to have any distractions. So there was not going to be any temptation to kind of stray away from really diving into something and... I don't know. I think I dream about it sometimes like, oh, if I could just spend a week just on my own, just painting or doing something like that and really putting in the time because the same as you, Jen, I used to to paint a lot and draw a lot when before college. And I even went into my um, undergrad as a fine art major. And then I found out. Yeah. And then I I found out what graphic design was. And I'm like, okay, this makes way more sense for me. And I fell in love with it. I was
1: always an artistic child. Like I love to create like just drawing and I like I loved to trace when I was like younger. I would like do cool tracings, with, like mm-hmm. illustrations and stuff like I mean, like I'm talking really little guys but, like, oh, my goodness. But like, yeah, I just uh, I, I would love to do that again. It just like this brings such like a sense of like peace and relaxation to my day. So love that question. Thank you for writing that.
0: Yeah, that was a fun one. Well, I'm super excited to talk about working with web developers today. And yeah, both Jen and I now have a lot of experience working with web developers, we I think you have also worked with a few, like a handful of them, haven't you?
1: Yes, I have. One of my web developers, Josh, his business name is Aquila Creative, and he does Webflow, WordPress, Squarespace, just pretty much everything. He's fantastic. And then I also work with another web developer um, who kind of does Squarespace, but she's moving into some bigger and better things. Her name is Allison Agami, and she is just absolutely fantastic. So if you guys are looking for web developers who are just super good at working with designers, highly recommend them. Um, And it has been, let me tell you guys, such a breath of fresh air not having to deal with code. Like I, I am so grateful for the coding experience that I have. I'm so grateful for Puno's I Love Creative Squarespace course, which I totally highly recommend if you're interested in kind of stepping into web design for the first time. But honestly, I just especially once I had a baby, I just don't have time to code. It takes a really long time. I'm not super passionate about it. Um, it doesn't really light me up or like it just it, I just don't like it very much. And so when I decided that I wanted to start outsourcing, I raised my prices and Now it's great because I can kind of pass off the build to a developer while still being able to carry out the web design, which is the part that I really, really like. So it's definitely been an exercise in kind of like working in my own zone of genius and like kind of letting go of something that I really didn't like to do in the first place.
0: Yes, absolutely. And that's something that I wanted to make sure that we touched on is that we all have our own zone of genius and working in that space and outsourcing the other things to other people is how you're going to produce the best projects. And I mean, that alone is why outsourcing is so amazing. Because then as um, as a designer, we can oversee everything and make sure everything's pixel perfect, but we don't have to spend three hours trying to figure out how that, you know, that one text box aligns vertically. I know,
1: <laughs> I feel like it's such a, oh, I feel like so many people can relate to that because like, I feel like coding, It's like it's like banging your head against the wall and then like, you wake up the next morning and you just try it again, and somehow it works. Like, I, I don't, maybe I'm just not very good at coding, but like, I definitely feel like there's a lot of trial and error, there's a lot of frustration involved with it. And so, if I can take that off my plate and just pay someone else to do it, then like that was literally the first thing that I did. The first thing I ever outsourced was web development. And I'm literally so happy that I did. And I also think it's important to talk about the fact that as a brand designer, and as a brand designer podcast, but We're talking about web design because I feel like branding and web just go so hand in hand. For my own business, branding is the first stop. It's like the first thing that all my projects start with. I no longer take on projects that do not involve branding because I like to keep everything really consistent with my style throughout working with a client. Um, But as soon as I started offering web design... I started selling more branding because people really need both and people don't want to work with multiple different people. So even though like branding is still my first love, I really do see web design and development as kind of like an extension of branding. And I think it's really important to think about it in that way because it's a really great sell. It's a selling tool to clients who need branding or if a client needs web design, then branding is a great sell for them because they really are so, so closely related to each other.
0: Yeah, and think of it from the client's end too. They, you know, they are dealing with so many vendors sometimes that just having like one person that they can dedicate the creative to is amazing to them. It saves them time; they only have to talk to one person. That person knows their business really well, and they can execute it for both branding and web. Exactly. Um, and Jen, there, Jen did talk about when she started learning. Um, Squarespace and web design basically in one of our previous episodes. I think it was season one.
1: Yeah, I think last, it's crazy how quickly my business changes. Last fall, I was like, I'm going to start offering web design to my clients. And now I'm like a year down the road and I'm like, I'm trying to do like way more Webflow, way less Squarespace, you know? Like I'm not even doing the development anymore. I don't want to touch the code. Like, you know, it's it's crazy how how quickly things change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love seeing that progress. It's I I hope you guys are noticing and seeing the progress too. It's amazing. Oh, thanks. So, <laughs> one thing um about web also right now is that is super hot. Everybody needs a website and especially after COVID happened and people, you know, after they stopped freaking out as much and holding on to their money, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, people realized that they needed to update their website, that more people are online than ever and it's really important to have something not just like that looks good, but that functions really well. And, you know, I, for one, have a lot of experience with web development myself and I used to just do my own development, but once I started outsourcing, that's when I was able to really focus on what the functionality and the design really looked like. And then I didn't have to worry about, you know, executing it all at the end. And it just also it like burns you out too. again, just like working outside of your zone of genius can really cause burnout.
1: It really, really does. And I, I also think that I'm glad that I have like this this thought just popped into my head. I'm so glad that I have that experience doing the development that I did because I think we've touched on this in a previous episode, but it is so wildly important if you are doing web design to understand how the web development process works. Um because like I mean and that's the reason why like we are hiring the web developers and the client's not hiring the web developer because if the client hires the web developer, they need to understand how code works, they need to understand what's possible. And even more important, they need to understand what is not possible. And so we're <laughs> yeah. able to kind of manage and mitigate those client expectations while also you know, managing and getting assets to and supporting our web developers as they work through our project together. Um, so if I didn't know anything about CSS, working with a developer would be way more difficult for me and probably way more annoying for the developer.
0: So. I 100% agree with that. I think having some sort of uh, understanding of the basics for web development is super important. And yeah, maybe some of you are like, Oh, that sucks. Like, I don't want to learn that. But trust me, you're going to be really happy that you did learn at least like the basics of understanding the, you know, the whole box. I don't even know what the wording is like the industry lingo for that is over my head. But just, you know, like CSS boxes and knowing that things are boxes inside of boxes and how the responsive works. And all of that is also important to learn because once you're creating the design, you n- understand like how this is going to function on mobile. And that is really important. Oh, in my gosh. World. I don't
1: even know the statistics, but I think like now over 50% of all web tra- traffic happens on mobile devices rather than on desktop, which makes sense.
0: Yeah, I hear a lot of um, different stats on that, but somewhere between 50 to 70% is the average of what I hear.
1: Yeah, same. It's, I mean, it's absolutely crazy because uh, when I think about like the, doing mobile responsive sites, um, usually the way that I work with my web web developers is that we do desktop first and then, you know, um, then we adjust for mobile. I just remember when I used to do web development, I would do this site and it would look great on desktop. And then I would be like, oh, now I have to adjust for mobile. And it took for freaking ever. Like I hated it. I hated doing mobile responsiveness. But like, you know, you got to find someone who's really, really passionate about it. And I'm literally so happy that I found the people that I work with because they are not so much as into the design part as they are into the development. So it's a great, great partnership for us because they don't have to worry about design. I don't have to worry about development. We're both making money. They actually don't have to worry about handling the client and doing the client management, um, which I actually kind of enjoy. So it's when when you know that you've found a good, just a good partnership and someone that you really connect with just on a personal level in addition to on a business level, like it's such, it, it just, it flows. The project just goes so smoothly. Um, And I think that there's definitely something to be said for finding someone that you jive with that, like, you can send funny memes to on Slack and that, like, you can just call out of the blue or, you know, like, I I think that that's a really important part of it, too, if you're if you're looking into, you know, hiring a developer for the first time. Um, Giselle, do you want to talk a little bit about kind of how you found the people that you work with and then like, like what you were looking for and like what you like about them?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've actually experienced um, a lot of different web developers. And one thing that I find um, that I constantly struggle with is finding the one that's like, make sure everything is pixel perfect. And not everything can be like so pixel perfect to what you gave them. But There are good ones and there are pretty bad ones (laughs) that like they just I just don't understand why they don't see all the padding I added around things. And I'm like, why? (laughs) Why did you ignore this? (laughs) But it's like super important. It really makes or breaks the design overall if they're not following those rules on padding or what kind of typeface you used, what weight did you use and all of those things just really add up. So I prefer to instead of be like, you know, having a developer that maybe they they cost less or whatever, and they're learning or something like that, like, you're going to be doing a lot of management. And it's, for me, like, it's just not worth my time. So I'd rather pay someone a bit more that is really professional. They, you know, like you were saying, Jen, like, they have a really good relationship with you, they care about that. And they, it's a big collaboration. So you're going to be talking with them a lot. And you want to find someone that you jive with. Another thing, too, is that they also see the importance of your design and they're not just coding just to code. They're like trying to make your design come to life and making sure all the padding is good. All like everything that you, all the little nitpicky things that you put in. um. I
1: am such like a spacing queen. Like I just, I'm so, I'm so like aggressive about spacing. Like that's the word that comes to mind when I, when I think about, you know, spacing and, and typography, those are my two huge things. I think it's important to also like when you are working with a web developer to to kind of know the lingo, like to know what to talk about in, in terms of, I mean, you were mentioning the box model, like flexbox, those types of things. And then also in design and especially with print, there are different words for different things in web design. For example, the spaces between letters in design or within print is called tracking. But with web design, it's called letter spacing. <laughs> That's a little bit more like and letting. And letting is the the space between lines, but in web design it's called line height. It's line height. Yeah. So I actually ran into that when I was working with Josh. I was like, hey, can we increase the tracking on this headline? He was like um, can you clarify a little bit? Like, I was like, oh, like the space between the letters. He was like, oh, letter spacing. I was like, yeah. In web design, it's a little bit more like <laughs> straightforward. <laughs> so that was just like a funny thing that like we kind of came up against. But when you develop a relationship with a developer, <laughs> develop when you have a relationship with a developer, they learn how you work together. And so I see a relationship with someone like Josh or Allison as just kind of an investment in the future of projects like you're going to come up into bumps in the road like there are going to be communication things there are going to be things that don't quite work out or align in the very first projects that you do together but like I don't think there's anything wrong with that as long as you know that they're amazing at what they do and which but they both are and you know once they learn those things you know like spacing and you know like when I say tracking and now I'm trying to say letter spacing and line height. just this is easier but like they'll learn the, the way that you work And then the projects will get easier and faster and more and they'll be more intuitive about what you want and they'll fix things before you ask them to fix things and i think that's the same way with any contractor that you hire is that like i really want the people that i work with to be in it for the long haul with me you know like i'm not in the place where i'm going to hire full-time employees yet but like for the contractors i work with i want to treat it like like a long-term thing not even though it is project by project we sign a new contract with every project like I really want it to be long-term. And I think it's important to think about that when you are looking for someone, if you're looking for someone for the first time.
0: Yes, uh, 100%. And that's, you know, finding the one. <laughs> and Jen, it sounds like you found the ones or the twos. <laughs> yes, I
1: have. Yeah, and they're amazing. And 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 I really, I really think that you know, kind of my philosophy as I'm starting to grow my team and hire contractors is that like I want them to benefit from the relationship as much as I do. And I'm not just talking about money. I want them to learn and grow and get experience. And, you know, like I want to be able to, you know, have this amazing project that they can add to their portfolio and that they can grow their business through. I think it's important that we talk about working with people um, who could be technically your competitor. Giselle, I would love to know about, like, I don't know if you have any experience of this, but like, if you hire a web developer, who's also a designer or like if you could think about that and conceptualize that, like how would you handle like credits and allowing them to share work and stuff like that? What would you kind of do?
0: There are two ways to go about that. Um, Maybe there's a few more, but the ones I can think of are two right now. One is you can have, you can outsource and do a white label agreement. So, you know, everything's under the name of your company and, you don't have to give them any credit, really, maybe you can write in the name of the person itself, but not their business or a link to their website. Or you can go the second route, which is just like a partnership. So even in your portfolio, you would write um, website done in partnership with this other person. And, and then have like their link if you wanted to if you want to have that relationship. For me personally, I like to do it more white label just to have everything in house. And I never really sat down and thought about like the strategic way to do it. I just thought, well, I already, you know, my designers are white label anyway. I'm just going to use my developer as white label too. But I, um, like you, Jen, like I love my developer. He's my go-to Webflow developer. I actually met him through the Flux Academy on the Webflow course when I was creating my own, um, the Wander Design website and, realized I like didn't have enough time. So I just thought this is a great time for me to try out somebody that does web flow development. And so hired this guy Tariq from Novatil, And I actually have him on my Slack because we enjoyed the process with my website that was like kind of like a test piece. And then um, I added him to my team, put him on our Slack channel. And every time I have a proposal come in for a new website, I'll like consult with him to make sure that Certain things can be done, other things like we might need to look at it over more or some things might require more time so I can adjust the proposal based off of what Tariq and I have talked about and then you know outsource the development part to him. Also, he is a web designer too, since he's done Flux Academy. He knows like the web design process. He also does his own things for Tail for his company. And I'm totally fine with like us basically being competitors, but also, you know, helping each other out. And that's the kind of relationship that I usually have with most of the people that I work with. And yeah, I wonder what everybody else's experiences with that.
1: I love that you said that, you consult with him prior to even getting on a sales call with a potential client because that actually happened to me yesterday. I had a sales call scheduled um, for a client who was looking to get a custom um, membership site done. And there's a lot of flexibility that you can do with memberships in Webflow. I think there's an app called Member Stack that you can use. And it's like, if Kajabi is the like template restrictive type of membership space, then member stack and Webflow, it's like blue sky. You can do pretty much anything. And so I called Josh really quick yesterday and I was like, hey, Josh, can you just like can consult me really quick, like five minutes on like why this person should do a custom membership site in Webflow. And like he knows so much more about the technical aspects of web design and development, especially with like analytics and SEO and that type of thing. And, you know, just tracking data on your members and signing in and integrations. Yes. So many different really, really cool integrations that he's showed me. So that was a really cool conversation for me, because I think another piece of advice that I have for people who are looking into hiring web developers for the first time is that even though you're the person hiring them, like technically you're the client, it still is good to come at it from the perspective of like, okay, this is a partnership rather than client developer relationship, even though like technically legally, that's what it is. It's like, I I respect him so much and all of his knowledge and expertise and all of like the education that he has. And, you know, I don't look at it as like, oh, my way or the highway type of situation. Like I always tell him, I'm like, hey, if I'm making a design decision that's not going to work in terms of UX or SEO or if there's something that you think that I'm doing that is going to like slow the site down or something that I'm not even thinking of, like I want you to tell me and I want you to like push back a little bit. And that's like something that I think is so, so important. You need to get someone That's comfortable enough to like do that to you, you know? Like, even though you're the client, like, I always tell him, I'm like, I kind of want to do this. Is that too much? Like, with animation, for example, I love site animations. And so I'm like, okay, Josh, tell me if this is starting to get a little bit 2003 PowerPoint because (laughs) I don't want it to look like that. But I also want it to look cool, you know? And so he'll kind of like rein me in or pull me back or be like, okay, I think that's a little bit too much. I think that we could probably animate this. And he has some fun, cool ideas for sites that I'm working on with him that I, never would have thought of and so it really is this amazing spirit of collaboration that makes the final product much better than it ever would have been had I like tried to attempt to do it on my own
0: yeah absolutely and like it's kind of thrown in the tower a bit early and been like you know what forget the animations I'm done with the site. yes <laughs> oh my gosh yeah I I love that you said that too because if you don't have much experience with performance on websites um And you think, oh, we can add a video here, add a video there, add a video background there and parallax scrolling and animations and all that stuff. Yeah, it's going to slow everything down and your developer is there there to tell you. So and be like, hey, I noticed that your design has a ton of this stuff and just consider that it might slow the site down.
1: Site speed actually has a huge effect on SEO, which I did not know before starting to work with Josh. I mean, if you've got a slow site, Google is going to know and it's not going to rank you very high. So it's not even just like, a slow loading thing, because like I'll look at a site that has a ton of animation, and be like, oh, well, it loaded really fast for me, but it's like I don't know like what their SEO looks like. I don't know like for another user on a different, you know, I mean, we we haven't even talked about different web browsers either, you know, like that. Those are the types the types of things he's thinking about too when when he's working with me. It's like, okay, how's this going to look on Chrome? How's going to look on Chrome Mobile? Like Safari? Like I mean, Internet Explorer, RIP. But like you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all of those different things like need to be taken into consideration. And those are just. Things things that I'm not thinking about, but I'm learning so much from him. And it's it's amazing. It really is.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like I can't be bothered doing the whole cross-browser testing. It's just like, this is ridiculous. Why do we have to do this? It's if 2020, but we do have to work, do it. If
1: someone's not on this website on Chrome, do I even really want that client? Like, no, I mean, like, that's really like, that's super aggressive, but, but like, I'm just like, okay, it works on Chrome, then I'm good. You know? <laughs> but not everyone has Chrome. Not everyone's on a Mac, not, you know, like you want to make sure that your site is accessible as possible. Just like as many different people as you can. I mean, that's the, the purpose of a website, right? So.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so Yeah, knowing the basics of web development is one thing. Knowing the basics of SEO is another thing, too. And site performance is another one. And just to quickly elaborate on that one, knowing that how to optimize all of your images so that you're not putting in like, you know, one megabyte and above type images on your website. I see photographers make this mistake all of the time when they have their portfolio and it's super beautiful on their website. They, um, they don't optimize their, their photos. And I understand like they just don't want to reduce the quality, but you can still have a really high quality photo and it's like 800, you know, KB, yeah. whatever that means.
1: <laughs> I, I really need to like educate myself on that. Really quick question for Giselle. This is a learning moment for Jen. On the air, guys, this is learning moment. Okay, so when you make banner images for websites, how wide are they in pixels?
0: I've always wondered this. Ooh. <laughs> you know, I, I've lately just been doing 2,000 pixels That's wide. what I do.
1: Okay, that, that makes me feel yeah. better. And then if I, it's like <laughs> a really detailed photo, maybe I'll do 3,000. But like, you know, I try, I try to rein myself in. And I'm like, okay, 2,000 is enough, Jen. Like, let's not get crazy. Like, okay, good. That makes me feel better.
0: Yeah, for anybody that doesn't know this too, um, you want your images to be at 72 DPI. And, you know, you can go through Photoshop and set that. I actually have, um, I bought Tiny, Tiny PNG. It's like a plugin. I think they, their website is called tinypng.com. And I used to just drop a bunch of photos there, download them, and it would um, reduce the file size and keep it at a high quality. But then for the free version, it's, I think you, only, you can only do like 20 at a time, like batches of that many. So I decided to just like buy the extension. It was like 60 bucks. And I, it's a Photoshop extension, so you're already in Photoshop, you have everything set how you want it. And then instead of like saving as, you just use the extension, and it'll export it. And I have a, a little optimized folder file that it always exports to and I have like a automation set for that so that I can do batch and just like Get all of them ready, and that's one of the most painstaking things about setting up for web development. Is Uh, getting all of preparing the
1: assets takes forever, and I think that that's one of the reasons why. Like, I mean, web developers like working with designers is that like they are not responsible for like asset preparation, and if they are, then like you're paying them a lot more. So yeah, um, yeah, because it takes a lot of time. It does.
0: I'm actually in the midst of that today. So once we get off the podcast, I'm going to be like batching a bunch of graphics and getting them ready for the development phase of a website.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about process. Um, I think it'll be really helpful for people. I just like hearing the way other people do things. So I would love to hear kind of like from beginning to end um, your little elevator mini Mini speech about like what your process looks like when working with a developer. Let's just say Webflow, for example. If that we have a web I'm a Webflow client. You know, what does that look like? Do as the client, do I do I get in contact with the developer? Am I ever you know like or do you do I not like just what does that look like for you? And then I'll share mine.
0: Yeah, it starts with consulting with my web developer, making sure that I price the proposal correctly, gets approved. I let my client know that we have a developer I don't say anything much else than that just that you know one thing that clients like to hear is that we've worked together previously um, so that they know that we have like a very good relationship built and yeah then I work with my designer my UI UX designer and um, I oversee like the creative direction make sure that things are going the way that the client and I like I do all the phone calls with the client that we're following along with what they want and also like meeting goals and doing all the strategy and making sure that visually that's being, that's being reached. And then once we have all of that ready and we've shown the client the design, they approve of it, everything's good to go. Maybe they need to give us some text still, but we at least have some lorem ipsum like suggested text copy on the design. Um, Then we're ready to start developing. And Ideally, you would want to have everything ready, like all of the pages out, um, designed with the, fo- the graphics and the text and all of that stuff ready. Um, besides like any kind of CMS, like content, you don't need to have all of that in your design, maybe just one template example. So like a blog post, you would just have the single post design, but you wouldn't have to design all of the posts because that's something that Webflow, for example, or WordPress or Squarespace all does for you, Right. So don't worry about like doing all of the pages. And then once that's all done and approved by the client, then you will start working with the developer to bring it to life. And, you know, they'll get everything ready. We like to use Figma. So our developer can export everything from Figma, or we can just like send them the Google Drive folder of all of the assets. And then um, they work on that. And then they check in with me. We do a bit of like internal Revisioning or revisions, <laughs> and then um once I'm ready to start showing the client, um I'll let them know like, "Hey, here's the website so far. I just wanted to check in. This is our progress, and you know, obviously, we still have a lot more to do. But it's nice for them, to, for the client, to see the progress, even though you're telling them you're seeing a work in progress right now. And the reason I enjoy like showing them the progress during the development phase is because they already know what the design's going to be, so. Otherwise, like I would never show a client like a design half done, for, you know, in the web design part of it. But in the development part, I'm like, hey, look, this is like behind the scenes, I get excited, because development can take a little bit of time too. And you want to feel like or the client wants to feel like there's progress being done, then the developer sees it through to the end. And then I like to do a final QA, like um, check for the entire website, I check, you know, alternative tags i'll check like seo i'll make sure that you know every page has a description that things are going well with the design and there's a few other things i have like a whole list that i just copy and paste for every project and make sure that i'm like checking all those things off before we hand off to the client and that's it
1: one of the things that that varies very differently from from my process is that you allow the client to see the work in progress of the the the, the, the dev site you know rather than like building it like doing the mock up cuz the way I do it is that I do the mock up the client gets two revisions on or refinements on the homepage and then I build out the rest of the interior pages and the client doesn't see those and then I just hand those off to my developer and the developer builds the whole thing and then the client sees it at the very end and so there is a really long stretch of time in there where like we're building 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 we're doing internal refinements you know we're doing we're testing you know that kind of thing where the client just doesn't see anything and I think that it, it's really important that Giselle mentioned that she's showing it to the client because they've already seen the the finished design of what it's going to look like. And so that way they're not they're not going to be like, "Why is this page half done? Like is that what it's right. going to look like in the end or like <laughs> I thought we said we were going to do an animation on my logo. Like where is that?" You know, it's like She's very upfront, very communicative with the client about the fact that this is a work in progress. But we just want to show you like that we're doing work, that we're checking in, you know, because you'll have all different types of clients. You know, for example, right now I'm working with a client super hands off. She's just really busy and she just like really trusts us. And then I'm working with another client who's just super genuinely interested in the process and like is she checks in via email a lot. She fills out her questionnaires like day of, like she's like, okay, can you tell me what the next steps are? Can you outline like, yeah. what you need for me? So like, every, like super enthusiastic, super enthusiastic. And like, there's no like wrong way to be as a client. You'll just have different types of people. And so I think, especially for those clients that like to be very involved with you, I love that you do that, and I want to find a way for, for me to do that as well with my own clients because, like right now, I'm just noticing that it's a super long stretch of time between homepage mock-up approval and like the the you know the, the the client refinements on the site. Yeah, let's talk about client like client site refinements. The way that I do site refinements with my clients, and this is I've learned from from mistakes, so y'all don't do what I did in the very beginning. I used to do rounds. And then like, the rounds just never ended. Like, I feel like it's a lot easier for like ra- like rounds of refinement to just keep going and going and going like with the website than it is for branding. Like for branding, I have two rounds and that's it. I'm super upfront. I'm like, hey, here's your second refinement. It's ready for your approval. You know, like, hey, yeah. you know what I mean? I like, feel you. <laughs> and then with yeah. web design, it's like someone's like, oh, oh, there's a typo on this thing. Can you just go in and change it? Every single time I have to log in and go and make the refinement or my developer does, it's like, oh my gosh. So I decided not to do rounds I decided to do a time limit and to allow the client to have, you know, pretty unlimited refinements. I usually ask them to do like less than 30 requests per page. That's what Josh does for me and I really like that, so I started doing it with my own mm-hmm. clients is that That's cool. um we do 5 business days. We call it revision week and Monday through Friday the client has from Monday morning to Friday at five p m you know central time to submit all the requests, and then once five p m Friday has hit, like they're no longer allowed to like put put refinement requests in and I'm very, very like upfront about that, so it's like they can just go crazy for a week and then like once that Friday hits, like they can't ask for anything else, and that has worked really, really well for us because. Now we don't have clients coming back and being like, oh, 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 one more thing. Oh, can I just change it? Can I just switch this image? Oh, well, this team member decided that they don't like the way their photo looks. So can we switch it out? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everyone's been there. Um, but yeah, I just find that 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 works really well. And of course I'm, of course I'm flexible. If we find a typo in the site, you know, before launch, I'll change it. You know, but like that just saves you from someone two days before launch being like, hey, I think I want to rethink the services page layout. Like, (laughs) no, we're not rethinking the services. No, absolutely not. If you do want to do that, you're going to pay me another thousand dollars. We're pushing launch two weeks. Like, you know what I mean? So... That's been really working well for for us, for for my team. Giselle, how do you guys handle website refinements with the client?
0: How does a client give you the revisions? Like, do they email you or is there a form? So
1: this is something that I just recently discovered. And again, props to Josh for introducing me to this. It's a tool. It's a website called markup.io. And we'll have this link in the description of our episode. Um markup.io it's a website that allows you to do i don't know if you guys have ever used like dropbox or google drive where you can kind of make comments on something oh i just hit my baby in the head with my with my hand (laughs) he's just not asleep it's okay guys (laughs) um but it allows you to do live like pin live refinement comments on a moving website which I think is fantastic. And so basically you open up the page of a website in within markup, and then it allows the client to go in and make comments. You as a designer can respond to those comments saying, hey, yes, absolutely, we'll do this. Or let's try to rethink this. I don't think that's gonna work or whatever it is. And you're able to resolve those refinements. So you know when all the refinements are done because all of the comments have been resolved. And so it's just a really, really easy way to track refinements, which can get crazy. And so I always recommend that the client put less than 30 per page. I like to ask less than 30. If they go over, then that's fine. But I say like, hey, let's just try to limit it because you never know someone's going to make 100 comments on your page, you know? like So I think that that is fair. Adding
0: in those limits too, makes a client more intentional with their feedback yes so instead of just going crazy like adding all the comments everything that pops up in their head yeah they like actually start to think about it i'm like all right is this one of my 30 and then they can like refine and actually like sit down and think about it and then submit
1: right so on one hand i'm very very firm on those boundaries it's like i'm firm but flexible and so i think that like it's it's easy to, to like be angry about refinements. Like it's easy to take them personally and that's something that I have always struggled with. Like as a designer just in everything. It's like, "Oh, you want the font to be thicker." Well, blah, blah, blah. you know, like I I just <laughs> like that's where my mind goes, but of course I know it's just business. Like and of course I want the I want the concept to be as strong as possible and like most of the time when we move through refinements, the end the end up the the final concept is way stronger than the one I originally presented. So like, you know, I just, yeah. we'll have a it's whole episode about ego and <laughs> stuff. Like, well, I have a lot to say about that. We'll have an episode about that.
0: Markup, that is something I'm definitely going to try next time. Do I'm excited it. About it's that free one.
1: right now. I don't know how they make money. Um, But if they, if they have a subscription, I mean, like I'm going to pay for it because it's so, so helpful. Yeah.
0: yeah. And it sounds a lot like how um, I'm sure XD and Sketch have this too. But Figma has that where you can have the client put in their comments and you can reply and you can resolve as well. Yes. yes. Yeah. So just
1: so everyone knows I like to use XD yeah. for my mockups so so and they cool. have a sharing option. There's actually some really cool things. I'm sure you can do in Figma as well with, with XD. I can do fixed elements. Where someone will scroll on the mock up, but like if I wanna do a fixed header, then the fixed header will actually show up as fixed, which I think is really cool. I think you might even be able to show hover effects in XD, but I'm not exactly sure. I haven't really dived into that too much. <laughs> Usually, to show hover effects, I'll just duplicate the page and just show all the hover effects. But yeah, it's like, if there's a great sharing thing, people can make comments, you can resolve those comments. It's just, you know, I used to do it via email, like, hey, list all of your payments in an email. And it's like almost impossible to track. Like, wait, did I address that? Like, did I not? Like, you know, it's just, yeah, markup is amazing. Highly, highly
0: recommend. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing yeah. that.
1: Oh, my gosh. You learned from me
0: Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Always. <laughs> so, Jen, I have a question for you. How do you price the project knowing that you're going to have a developer?
1: That's a super, super important question and something that you should always think about prior to your sales call. Do not get on the phone with a potential web client without talking with the developer that you would potentially use for that project based on the information you've collected in your onboarding or your inquiry process. Do not talk to the the client unless you talk to your developer first. So I talk to my developer and I say, hey, generally for this project, how much would you quote? Like, give me your range. Like, it's okay if it's a couple thousand dollars to a couple thousand dollars. Like, I just need to know so that I can make sure that I quote enough for my project. It's also useful to to think about it, like to break down the project into development and design. And that's not really something that I really share with the client. But when I think about how I want to price it, I think about, okay, what what do I want my design fee to be? Like, just to design the site, like, what do I want that fee to be? And then, you know, taking into account what the developer developers quoted for what they think it might tra- cost them to, to build the site, then you add that design fee on and then add a little bit of wiggle room and, you know, maybe come up with a range. And of course, I always caveat, you know, my pricing conversations with clients on sales calls as like, this really depends on the functionality that you want your site to have. If we're talking like a super custom like membership experience with a community and we wanna have videos and we wanna have login and like there's gonna be like live streams and podcasts and YouTube integration and like all this crazy stuff. And like, obviously that website's gonna be way more expensive. And so it's impossible to like, really give a super specific like quote to a client before you've heard about all of the different things that they're going to need on their site. So it's always important to make sure they know that things can change if they say, oh, by the way, I want to add a course login to my site. You know, then it's like, all right, well, that's going to be a lot more than our original quote. So I just always make sure to tell people on the phone, like, this depends on what you need the website to do and if that changes if the scope changes then like i'm more than happy to add on to our invoice but like i just want you to know up front like i want to give you as accurate a quote as possible so like you need to tell me everything you need the site to do so
0: yeah yes absolutely and that's how you then do the design and make sure that the client knows what they're getting and what you are designing because You don't want to go to your developer after the design's done and be like, oh, by the way, like the client now wants this thing to be doing all these crazy things on that page. Right. Because that's going to change the the amount of work for the developer and it's not fair.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And they're probably going
0: to charge you for that too. And that's not something that you had considered. I think every designer
1: that has ever worked with a developer on a website has had the unfortunate circumstance of quoting the client too low and then realizing the development cost is going to completely cover your design fee. So you basically end up designing the site for free and you have to pay all of your profits to your developer. And, you know, I've been there with a the project. I'm sure Giselle's been there. I know every designer has been there where you're like, you know what, I'm just going to eat all my profits to make sure that I get this site done for the client. And it's, there's no one you can blame except yourself. And that's the worst thing because like, it's literally that you just didn't quote the, the project high enough. And like, you can, think like oh well you know this person like they it's different if they're like adding stuff on to their original quote but like if you have all the information in the beginning you give them a quote and then like nothing changes but you realize that like you asked for way too little it's like the worst thing ever and you'll probably only do it once and you'll learn from it um
0: mm-hmm. yeah yeah and and that's not to say that you know you you can also go back to the client and tell them hey you know uh our initial proposal did not account for this other thing that you're now asking for, or that you've elaborated on that we did not understand at the beginning. you know we apologize for not understanding that, but knowing that now like this is how much more we would have to increase for you know us to fulfill that thing that you asked for, and that's something you can always do too. What I like to do is do like a flat fee for the development part, and knowing like you know here are all the things that we need to hit. And the here is the budget for that.
1: I I try not to do hourly if possible. I mean, if I I actually I, I do have a situation now where I'm working with a client, it's a Squarespace client, and she wanted some additional animations, and so I'm working with a different developer to add those animations to her site. And you know, he kind of gave her an hourly quote on that. And so right now, you know, I I'm checking in with him on seeing how many hours he has. You know, like what's going on with that, and there's some additional things that we might want to do. And so I'm getting quotes from him on like, hey, it's going to be this many hours more to add that in just so the client can decide, okay, do I want to pay for it or do I just want to call today? So there's that, I think hourly for that kind of works if we're just like doing little sprinkled on like
0: additions, but like
1: for a full build, I think flat is the way to go for sure. I mean, of course every situation is different, but.
0: um, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. General rule of thumb flat fee is the way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh my gosh, like there's so – I feel like I could just talk about this forever because I'm so excited that now I don't have to do coding and I can just kind of like (laughs) offload this to my developer. Um, I think the last thing that I wanted to talk about before we wrap up the episode was – keeping things organized in communication. That's something that I'm actually struggling with right now as a business owner, because, you know, with COVID or whatever it is, like, I've just had this crazy influx of web design projects and I've, I've raised my prices and it's not scaring people away. So, you know, I have all these projects, which is amazing. And I'm so grateful for that. But I do feel like I didn't have systems and communication guidelines set in place before kind of signing these projects. And so, literally all my communication is in Slack and there's nothing wrong with Slack. Like I love it, but like I, I just didn't have kind of like any SOPs or any like internal organization, um, for like the process and when due dates are, and I'm just like slacking people like, Hey, can you get this to me by next Wednesday at 5 PM? Or, you know, like, and I just feel like that's the kind of just not the way that I want to be handling my business because it makes it confusing for me because I don't remember when I asked someone to turn something in. And then also I want it to be a good experience for my developers working with me. So I know Giselle loves ClickUp. I have just recently um, started in ClickUp. I hired an operational business manager who specializes in helping designers. Her name is Nikki, and she's from Envious Business Strategies. Um, I'll we'll link to her in the episode. She is fantastic. I did a VIP day with her where she basically let me brain dump my entire process to her. She wrote a bunch of SOPs for me, and then she set me up in ClickUp, and it was so, so helpful. And right now, I'm in the process of kind of adding my team members to that, setting d- due dates, you know, setting places where we can, like, this is how I'm going to share assets with you. This is how we're going to do communication. Like, I'm going to follow up with you on this day. Like, Just to make the process a little bit easier for me to track and just more enjoyable for the developers so they don't have to go back and search through our endless Slack thread um, for like, how (laughs) much did she quote for this? You know, so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, The way that I like to do it, of course, is click up. One thing about websites is, especially for those really enthusiastic clients, they just love emailing you like everything, like every day you'll get like one in three emails and like, here's another quote for the website, here's another thing, and here's another thing, and it's, even though I have a Google folder for them, and I told them, and I've told them multiple times, if you ever want to send me anything, just upload it to this folder, otherwise I end up going to the email, downloading it, or adding it to the drive, and, um, and yeah, the you know, regardless, like, no matter how many times you try to make the client do something, they want to do things their way sometimes, and that's fine, um, you're getting paid for that, so, Yeah, I actually just recently for this website project I mentioned earlier, I went through all of our emails to make sure that I had everything that they had sent over, like testimonial quotes, um, any other kind of notes to consider all a bunch of like, images and things like that, and had it all on ClickUp, whether it was a Google Drive folder link with a note of like, here's what's inside of that. But also, you know, all of the codes and everything that they added, I just paste them in there and make sure that it's all in one place. Because yeah, in Slack, it's going to get lost.
1: Yeah, I, lo- I love that. I mean, and I can, I just, uh, I feel you with the endless emails. I mean... A client will send you a Google link and then they'll attach an image to their email and then they'll send you a Dropbox link and then they'll be like, oh, well, can we make the work page look like this website? And they'll send you some inspiration and then you'll be like, ah, and you'll be drowning (laughs) in like assets and inspiration and client ideas. And I am just- It can be very overwhelming. I'm very excited to have everything organized in ClickUp. And Giselle is actually starting to create a course for designers um, on how to use ClickUp. So be looking out for that, which is super exciting. and I am gonna be like the first one to buy it because I
0: need it. oh (laughs) thanks for the shout out well by the time this episode airs who knows what has happened with that but (laughs)
1: hopefully yeah hopefully
0: it it happens hopefully Um, it's open
1: and available and if it's not then you know she'll do another launch later (laughs)
0: yeah as of recording it's it's really for people that are in that You know, they don't, maybe they don't have a project manager or they just have, they have one, but everything kind of feels all over the place because they have a lot of team members. So that's what I'm addressing because there are a ton of like ClickUp tutorials online, and I'm really talking more about like the process and what's worked for us and it, I feel so organized despite how overwhelming things can be sometimes I just do a little bit of that you just inspire <laughs> me
1: talking to you makes me feel more calm
0: because <laughs> everything is just Aww. so chaotic right
1: now with 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 me and my business but like now that I have click up I'm like literally clinging to hope that like things yeah will, things will get a little they bit will. more organized I don't know y'all are probably totally judging me like oh my gosh how are you running this business with like you know no organization at all and I'm like my answer is I don't know guys I I don't know how I've done it this long, but like I need something to change. So that's this is Gen 2.0. I know it is Gen 2.0. Uh, I've got a baby, I've got click up, you know, like what's next for me? Like yeah. the sky's the limit. I love it. Oh my goodness. Okay, so let's let's do our inbox question for the day. Um Maria Colchado asks When you are still in the skill developing phase and don't feel ready to start working with clients, what can you do so that you don't get stuck in this phase indefinitely? I think this is a fantastic question because a lot of the time people will recommend to new designers to, oh, just do personal projects. And of course, that's that's great. It's really wonderful to work on conceptual clients, get some stuff for your portfolio, etc. It can be easy to just stay there because that's safe and you're not working with someone who can give you negative feedback. And so I think that, I mean, this is going to be just such a, like a cheesy answer, but like, I think that like you need to start working with clients whether or not you're taking money. <laughs> like just dive in. Like really like my answer is that it's like if you don't feel ready to start working with clients, then then do a free project for your sister-in-law. And I know that like we always say don't do free projects for your sister-in-law. You know like <laughs> I feel like we have an episode that's all about like yeah. not doing that type of work, but if you are in that phase and you're just so scared to start taking someone's money, I think a good bridge can be do a project with some, maybe that person's your mom, you know, your mom's not going to hate you. Like maybe you do. And like, maybe you, it's even a conceptual project with a practice client. Maybe you ask your mom, like, Hey, if you could start any business, like what would you do? And your mom would be like, Oh, I feel like I've always wanted to like have my own bakery. You could be like, okay, Like, let's work together so I can practice, like, working with someone who's not myself. But, like, there's no pressure. There's no money involved. You still get a really cool, you know, portfolio piece for your portfolio. And then the next time you work with someone who's a little further away and someone who's a little bit further away. And then, like, eventually you'll get to the point, like, if then if you're like, okay, I'm ready to start getting paid. You're probably already ready. But, you know. Then you'll feel like okay, I've worked with someone who's not me. I know how to communicate. I've kind of worked out the kinks. That's a great way to kind of ease into working with a real client. That's my answer. It's like I don't need to like be pushy and just be like just start working with people, but I think that's a good a good way to ease into it.
0: Yeah. That's what I was going to say too. You just have to do it. You just have to just jump in and do it. You can even dive into the deep end and go with the a paid client yeah. or a paying client and mm-hmm. just see how it goes. learn from there yeah <laughs> and it doesn't mean you have to like lie to them and tell them like I'm this pro that's worked with over 50 clients like you just let them know like hey I'm I'm new to working with clients um but I'm very excited to provide you know insert the value that you're giving the client and also you're always going to be in the skill developing phase cuz if you're not if you're not then you're not growing um you're not pushing yourself you're not challenging yourself and In in our industry, things are changing all of the time. Like, Jen, how many things are you learning a week?
1: Oh, my gosh. So many. I mean, like, aside from, like, how to feed a baby and, like, change a diaper, I feel like (laughs) I... Guys, I literally didn't know how to take care of a baby before. I don't think I've ever... I, I had ever held... A newborn baby before I had my own baby. <laughs> so I legitimately was that starting from level zero. But like as yeah. far as design and stuff, I mean like I'm I'm constantly learning. Like I mean I I have such limited time at my desk. So when I'm not at my desk, I'm on YouTube, like looking stuff up, mm-hmm. I'm like reading, I'm Podcast. you know, podcasts. Podcasts. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Listening to podcasts. I mean, even on Instagram, like people make these really cool little like I mean, if they have reels now, I was like, what is this? But like do you know, like, the Instagram reels? I, just, I saw that pop up the other day. I was like, wait, what's yeah. this? Like, like, I don't TikTok? I really
0: understand it, but it's definitely captivating.
1: Yeah, it's really cool. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to start making that type of content myself because, like, oh my gosh, I'm a really bad dancer. But,
0: yeah. but like, oh my, my, my coach, Kelsey, does a really great job making these reels. It's really cute. You should oh my watch gosh. them. She's totally, from
1: Pine Gate Road. I totally will. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. There's just a lot of great stuff on Instagram. I I save stuff to folders all over Instagram, like kind of like Pinterest almost. Um, Just these little bite-sized little skills, you know, like, and so, you know, keep developing those skills and keep pushing yourself and jumping into projects that you don't feel ready for because, like, honestly, you're never going to feel ready, girl.
0: Like, you just won't. There's so many projects that I've taken on telling the client, hey, like, I've done something similar, but not this particular thing, but I'm excited to learn about it. And they're they are always gung-ho about that that's how I learned Shopify that's how I learned like a bunch of other things like that's how I learned Squarespace I took on the project before knowing that like I 100% know how to do this and I tell the client that I'm like hey I have you know extensive experience with web development and whatever in WordPress I haven't tried Squarespace but from what I understand this is totally in our wheelhouse even though like a part of me is like oh my gosh, I'm so scared. <laughs> like right. uh, otherwise I'm not going to grow and that's I love that that's you're part of transparent
1: and upfront with them as well. I think that's super super important. Yeah,
0: I think that's important. Um because I mean me personally when I hire I'm not hiring like the perfect person that did exactly what I need right now. I'm hiring the potential.
1: Yeah, that's exactly the same way that I am. Like I want to develop the people that are working with me, even if they're, I mean, with web developers, it's like, okay, I really need you to know yourself. Yeah, I, I don't know anything. I mean, not that I don't know anything about SEO, but I'm like, I need you to be an expert because I'm not, you know, and
0: recognizing yeah, that Yeah, I think that's myself. the key difference. <laughs> so. Absolutely. That's the key difference between hiring a developer versus hiring another designer for your team. All right. Well, this was so fun. I, as always, we can always talk longer about all this stuff. (laughs) I know.
1: I know. But you guys have to take what you've learned from this episode, take that out into your businesses, take it to the Facebook group. If you have questions or anything, come hang out with us. Yeah, this was super fun. And we will see you guys in the next episode. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them.
0: If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com.
1: Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook.
0: And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources.